Well, welcome back again to another edition of Optics with Dr. Gabe Salguero, where week after week and day after day, we talk about topics that are impacting the church and society, with a particular emphasis on the Latino church in the United States and Latin America. We're so glad that you're part of the listening audience of Optics with Dr. Gabe Salguero. And if you don't have our podcast, you can subscribe on all the applications where podcasts are available, Apple, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. We are here as a ministry and a service to the church and to the larger society. And today we have a great guest. As many of you know, uh, the last week or we had a report come out of LifeWay Research and in Spanish, LifeWay Recursos, where there was a national study on the U.S. Hispanic or Hispanic American church in the U.S. And part of that study was due to the leadership of Scott McConnell at LifeWay Research. And Scott, welcome to Optics. We're so glad that you're here. And our audience is so desirous to hear you and all of the wonderful work you're doing at LifeWay. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Well, listen, right, let's get right to it. What about this research? I mean, we've had some conversations, I don't know, 10 years ago, seven years, for some time now about the Hispanic church in America. Our audience knows it's one of the growing edges, if not the fastest growing edge of Hispanic, at least Protestantism in America, because this is a Hispanic Protestant uh, research. And we say, hey, you know, what research has been done and what can we add? What value can we add? And we, you approached me, we talked, I don't know where it was, how it was, but finally, uh, this has come and you've partnered with so many national organizations to do it, uh, to do a national survey. Tell, tell us a little bit about that story, about the Hispanic American Protestant research that LifeWay has done in the background. Yeah, well, well, our goal at LifeWay Research is to come alongside church leaders and to provide them information on the church and on the culture to, to help them understand our, the context in which we're doing ministry today. And, and so that's our ongoing mission. And, you know, just in our conversations, you and I gave years ago, we just specifically were saying that the Hispanic church needs some specific information on the Hispanic church. The general information is helpful. Uh, there, there are obviously Hispanic pastors included in many of those studies, but they're a small portion, and it, it, it's not telling the story of, of what's happening in Hispanic churches. And so, you know, really that, that, that desire was birthed a number of years ago, and we finally had the opportunity here uh, to, to do that this last year. And, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't have happened without the cooperation of many organizations. And so we're thrilled that, you know, when, as I approached you as one of the first people, you know, NALIC was definitely willing to be a part of this. They, they gave advice and guidance along the way. Um, but there were several other organizations that did this, the same thing. And, uh, and then even more, about 25 organizations invited Hispanic pastors to participate. And, and without that, we wouldn't have a project because uh, there's not, you know, there's not a list of all Hispanic churches. So I can't go just go rent a list and <laughs> or go to a, pa a panel and, 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 and get the project done. Um, we, we had to do this as a cooperative effort. And, and again, I mean, 25 organizations working together, uh, you know, that, that's just a testimony of, of, you know, the work of God uh, among us. To, to want to cooperate and to, to tell this story. And, you know, as I look at the data, I'm reminded of, of 1 Thessalonians 1, where Paul is, is looking in that, at, at that church in Thessalonica and, and just, it, he's thrilled to tell their story. Uh, you know, the, the fact that that church welcomed uh, the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. And I feel like that's the kind of story we have to tell here uh, that, the, that, the, that the Hispanic pastors have shared with us that this is a message, you know, where where we're seeing Latinos come to Christ with joy uh, from the Holy Spirit, and um, and in the same way, Paul said, "Hey, the Church of Thessalonica is is an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia." You, you know, my hope is that the the story of what God is doing in Hispanic congregations becomes an example to all the believers in North America. That, that we would understand what God's doing around us and also learn from these congregations that, uh, that, that there are things that, that, that Anglo churches can be doing different. There, there, there are things that African-American churches can learn and Asian churches can learn from our brothers and sisters in, in, in the Latino church. Well, Scott, let me just say thank you uh, for that. 
and thank you for LifeWay and all the other partners. I think a few things I want to highlight about what you just said, the unity of the body of Christ, over 25 organizations nationally in some way uh, contributed to this report, including denominations, large denominations. Um, I'm an Assemblies of God pastor, and I know Assemblies of God were there. I know you had, uh, I think, some Nazarenes and some Church of God. And so it's a broad swath of Hispanic Protestantism and Pentecostalism. And so I'm thankful that, uh, and parachurch organizations, and I know that Samaritan's Purse and others came, and Billy Graham Evangelistic Association came alongside to help with that. And so I want to say thank you, and it, which is a testimony. So it's what you're saying. It's a testimony about the body of Christ. And Hispanic Protestantism is large in America. I mean, it's, it it's a very large, and it's growing. There are millions of Hispanic Protestants in the U.S. Think about this, Scott, and I know you know this. You're a demographer, and, and you're, you know, you're, you, this is where you live. But according to the last census, there's 62.5 million Latinos living in the United States. One out of every four babies born in the U.S. is Hispanic. Right. And one out of every two children born is a child of color. And so we this this work is not done in a vacuum. It's in the reality of the demographic boom and explosion of Latinos, even though our growth rates are slowing down. The Hispanic Protestant Church is is a is a big contributor to the mission force. We're not just a mission field. We're the mission force of what God is doing in America and all over the globe, really. But this is focused on U.S. Hispanic uh, Protestant churches. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of your initial findings that that really um, you found important. And for our listening audience, there are denominational execs that are listening. There are church planters that are listening. There are parachurch organizations that are listening. And of course, pastors and lay leaders that listen to optics. And one of the things is, hey, what really, uh, you know, caught your attention? What stuck out to you? Um, some, some top line things about this Hispanic American or Hispanic Protestant uh, survey. Yeah. Uh, first of all, let me say that the, we believe these findings are 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 very accurate. We, we've got 692 pastors that participated. We're not going to say this is perfect. Uh, there there could be some small groups that that didn't respond you know, to fully, to fully share their story. Um, but, and, and there were a couple denominations that weren't able to participate in this time period, but we really feel like this covers probably better than any previous study, you know, a, a good snapshot, a good picture of, of Hispanic congregations today. And so, so one of the first, you know, kind of key findings for many of us is just having some numbers next to some things that we kind of knew, but uh, but to describe the variety, when we say Hispanic congregations, um, you, you know, it's, it's especially easy for Anglos to kind of think of them as one type of group. And yet there's a, a ton of variety uh, within that. Uh, we see that variety just within how how the, the congregation is constituted. Uh, we, we see that, you know, 12 percent are a congregation inside of a bigger church. So they're having a Spanish language service, but they're they're part of a, a, an Anglo or, or or another ethnicity church. Um, so that so so a small portion of these congregations are in that kind of set, setting, whereas sixty seven percent are are Hispanic churches. They're independent. They're they're on their own two feet. Um, another nineteen percent describe themselves as a multi ethnic church. So they're an independent church, but the, their heart, their mission, and and really their present reality is they're multi ethnic. Even though to be in this study, they had to be a, a majority of their congregation had to be Hispanic, um, and 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 two percent are campuses. So we know that there are multi site churches, of course, uh, in the United States as well. And so a few, you know, that's their story. And so you see some of that variety. We see the variety of which you know which country that their congregation. Uh, came from or or identifies with um with Mexico being the largest but that uh, among the, among these churches just 46% actually indicated that that their congregation identifies with Mexico most another 22% from the Caribbean countries with Puerto Rico being being the largest among those uh, 14% kind of say well we can't pin it down to one country so it, it's it's kind of multiple um, and and then Central America is, is 10% and 5% would identify with a, a South American country. So again, variety from, from the country of origin and, and, and kind of a heritage, um, a variety of kind of how they're, how they're organized, and then also variety of how recently they've immigrated to the United States. Uh, the majority 
of, of the congregations as the pastors are describing their congregations, if we kind of give an average of, of their congregations, 58% of them are first generation. They, they themselves immigrated here to the United States. Um, and then 24% are second generation and 17% are third or fourth generation. Um, I mean, that stat alone kind of can create a whole conversation right. because yeah. we, we know that there are many, you know, fourth, fifth generation Hispanic Americans uh, in the United States. And it, it kind of begs the question, are, you know, are, are we losing them or, or you know, are they in, in, in multi-ethnic churches or, um, or is that reflecting the fact that so so much of the growth has happened recently, and and so it, you know some of the growth has not happened among those earlier generations? Well, let, let me let me uh, unpack this a little bit because I think yeah. your, this research tracks with the diversity of Hispanicity and Latinidad in the U.S. Right, you're talking about Mexican, Caribbean, Central American, South American, U.S.-born Latinos, right? And so, mm -hmm. one of the things that, that our listeners uh, can benefit from, especially you know, leaders who are doing church planting or or sometimes citywide networks of Latino churches, is that we're not a monolith. Right. That, that they're U.S.-born, that they're and and it and there are there are foreign-born. Actually, it, an interesting fact is that according to the census. Uh, Latinos, two thirds of Latinos are U.S. born, uh, and one third is foreign born. Were born in in either a country of origin in Latin America or the Spanish speaking Caribbean, and so that's interesting. That still over fifty percent are led by first generation or immigrant pastors, and so it's actually the inverse of of the of what's happening in society. However, what's fascinating is that your your study tracks with the diversity. The largest population of Hispanics in the U.S. is Mexican. They yep. are by far the largest. Yep. And then the second largest are the Caribbeans. And so the churches are reflecting the actual demographic diversity of the U.S. Can I just say one thing that I'm excited about? I think you said 19% uh, define themselves as multi-ethnic. Yes. That's a growing edge. Of, yes. of Hispanic churches, multi-ethnic Latin, what I what I called in in, in a chapter in a conversation I had with Tim Keller, Latino-led multi-ethnic churches or minority-led multi-ethnic churches, and that, and that's a growing edge, nineteen percent, which I think is a little bit above the national average of multi-ethnic churches in Protestantism, and so that's that's important. The last thing I want to maybe you can unpack for us, Scott, is this is this is great. I mean, in many ways, it's great, but it also poses a challenge. Can we keep that? Many of the churches are new, right? Some of them yep. were planted. I mean, I think you have the numbers of when they started being planted. You're talking about almost 700 clergy nationwide that you that you polled, right? And from all over the country, California, New York, Florida, all, all the different uh, places. Talk to me about that, the, the kind of newer churches and the church planting, because there's a lot of talks about church planting in Hispanic churches, whether they're, you know, Spanish language or bilingual or multilingual or, or, or uh, Latino-led English, uh, whatever that is. Talk to me about what you discovered about how we're doing, we Hispanic Protestants are doing in the church planting and, and church health. That's definitely one of the big takeaways from this study is just just the growth we're seeing in the body of Christ represented in Hispanic congregations. And we see that first in, in church planting, in, in starting new churches, more than half, 54% of Hispanic congregations have been started since the year 2000. That's phenomenal. And and I mean, obviously, yes, the the you know, more and more immigrants are coming to the country. And, and so, you know, the, the recent years reflect some of that, but, um, but we just don't see this in any other demographic, uh, uh, you know, in, in well, I, sh I shouldn't say any other demographic. We, we, we do see a lot of growth uh, among, you know, new immigrants from Africa, among new immigrants from Asia as well. But, but we're just talking about volume among Hispanic churches. You know, it's, it's not only the percentage that are recent, but just how many churches we're looking at here. And so, uh, you know, that doesn't happen without a, a move of Christ. It's not a matter of just you hang out, a, you know, a sign and, and say, hey, we're, we've got church this Sunday. I mean, you're reaching people for Christ. That's how a new church is started. And so we see that also as we ask these same churches about new people coming to Christ. Ninety one percent of these congregations saw somebody make a new commitment to Jesus Christ last year. And 
47% of them, almost half of these churches had 10 or more people make new commitments to Jesus Christ. I, I'm sorry, we don't see that kind of number when we are polling Protestant churches. It, mm. it, we just don't see that many people coming to Christ. You know, we, we talk about coming to Christ as, it, it, you know, it, it's a conversion. We are we are turning from following ourselves to, to following Christ. That's not something the typical American wants to do. The Holy Spirit has to work in their life for them to come to Christ. And we're just seeing less and less of that in America. Wow. But as uh, this is this is fun data to look at because <laughs> there are real people coming to Christ yeah. through the ministries of Hispanic churches. Right. And some of them are in English. Right. So it's just it's uh, Latinos who speak English or multi-ethnic. Yes. And so that, that's really good news. You know, you I did not expect to find those numbers. And when I read it, I was like, well, that's hopeful. But let's talk a little bit. I mean, not everything is 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 uh, without challenge. And let's talk about COVID-19 and the impact it may or may not have had on Hispanic Protestant churches in America. I want to talk a little bit about COVID-19. Then I want to talk about generational challenges in terms of discipleship and spiritual formation, especially among millennials and Gen Zs. But let, let's let's spend a little time, Scott, uh, and we're on your program, Optics with Dr. Gabe Salguero. And today, if you just joined us, our guest is Scott McConnell from LifeWay Research. LifeWay Research recently released a national study on U.S. Hispanic Protestant churches. Uh, we want to recommend that you visit LifeWay Research. Y para la gente que habla español, el reporte está en español. The report is also in Spanish at LifeWay Recursos. And so we have the report in English and we have it in Spanish. It is a national study that talks about church planting and demographics and discipleship and evangelism and a sense of community. It's, it's a kind of holistic, at least four or five different topics that are talked about. But let, let's talk a little bit about what is what, if any, impact COVID-19 had on Hispanic churches in America. Most of us are tired of talking about COVID, but we have to. I mean, it, 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 it rattled our whole nation. And, and so uh, the, the area where we specifically addressed it in this survey was just the impact on attendance. And, and so when we compare attendance at, at the end of 2022, when we did this survey, we, we asked pastors to compare it to January of 2020, right before the pandemic started there in 2020. And, and, and what we see is that the majority of churches have, have not yet, their attendance has not yet come back to the level it was before, before COVID. In fact, the majority would be at less than 90%. Um, and, and yet, we see another 13% are kind of between 90 and 100% of, of where they were. Um, but the really encouraging thing is there's almost a third of Hispanic congregations, their attendance today exceeds what it was before COVID. And, and honestly, that number in, in Protestant churches in general is about half that number. Um, you know, so we're just starting to see you know, we've not yet hit even 20% among all Protestant churches saying we're above where we were before COVID. So, so the bad news is the typical Hispanic church, you know, lost some, some attenders, lost some churchgoers because of COVID. Um, some people who are in the habit of attending, they're not attending today, or they're, they're only checking in online. Um, and so, you know, that's difficult that, that, that they're important to the body of Christ. And, and for them to be missing is going to hurt the church. Their gifts are not being used to, to, to help those congregations. But the good news is Hispanic congregations have done much better than the typical Protestant church in terms of rebounding um, and people getting back engaged and continuing to reach new people. Well, that that that's both a challenge and an encouragement. And I'm so glad, you know, people ask, why, why research? Well, research gives us a kind of children of Issachar moment to see how things really are. And then from there, we ask God what we ought to do given these realities. And that's why Optics is interviewing you, Scott, and partnering with LifeWay, because we need to know what's going on and then ask God for guidance on how we respond. And one of the things that LifeWay, this research showed, is that Latino or Hispanic churches, and by the way, 
why do we use those terms interchangeably? Because there's no unanimous consensus. There, nobody has voted. There hasn't been an election. Should we use Hispanic? Should we use Latino? And so I, we use them interchangeably, at least here in optics. Uh, there is no unanimous consent. And so, and sometimes Hispanic American, I mean, it's, it's, it's varied. But one of the things that the, the research showed is that we're a young demographic, that the Latino church is young or younger than, than the median, even though we're a little older than we were a few years ago, we're still young as a demographic in terms of the people that attend church, our median age. But that poses the question about discipleship and, and spiritual formation and community. And you all had a list of questions about how we reach the next generation. So it wasn't just youth and young adults, it was also children, how we disciple, how we reach. Because we're a young demographic, that, that I imagine it begged the question, hey, how are the Latino churches or Latino multi-ethnic churches discipling and reaching? What were your findings around, you know, both our age and, and reaching uh, the next generation or discipling and, and maintaining the next generation, millennials, Gen Z, so forth? Yeah, definitely the congregations within Hispanic uh, churches are are, uh, are are a young group. Um, you know, in, in a typical church uh, in America, you know, they're describing an older congregation, whereas in a Hispanic congregation, just 28% are age 50 plus, another 38% are age 30 to 49, and 16% are young adults, age 18 to 29. And then about 18% of the congregation on average is under age 18. And so that, that, that's much younger than what we would see with an average of all Protestant churches. And so that, that's definitely a strength. Uh, that, that, that means that Hispanic congregations are going to be a force for, for, for decades to come because, because of that youth. And, and, and so that's an exciting thing. Um, but that's also where the work's at. And so, so we did dedicate a number of questions to asking how, how Hispanic congregations are, are reaching the next generation, what's working well for them. Um, and, and uh, you know, the first thing is just the encouragement of how many different ministry activities are happening in Hispanic congregations. Again, it's not just, hey, we have a Hispanic worship service in Spanish or bilingual. It's, you know, in addition to those worship services, there are lots of different activities going on to reach children, to reach youth, to reach young adults. And, and we didn't ask these questions of, you know, if you're doing this, then you're doing good. If, you, if you're not, then you're bad. You, you know, they're not that kind of question. It's described because different churches are going to approach ministry differently. And so uh, we're, we're really just trying to describe what they're doing. And, and so I mean, we, we just see huge percentages of churches with, with a number of activities for kids, and it's both within the church building, um, but also things in the community to, to, you know, to, to reach out and to be hosting community events and, and, and reaching people there. And, and so, so again, we just see a ton of ministry happening. And so, so church, the typical church is trying multiple things to reach kids, multiple things to reach uh, students. Um, you know, among kids, uh, you know, VBS would be one of the one of those that kind of hits, you know, when we ask pastors, which of all those things is most effective in, in reaching new kids, 26% uh, of them kind of put that at the top of the list that that's, that's reaching the most, uh, having a children's worship, you know, just for children, uh, almost one out of five uh, of the pastors indicated that's one of the most effective things for reaching kids. We ask similar questions with youth. And and kind of having a praise and worship time with with youth is is makes the top of the list, but that's just sixteen percent of pastors. Because again, there's such such a variety in how they approach ministry that that uh, they're kind of spread out. Uh, a couple of the the options that we gave for for having camps, ha having students go to camp, uh, those came in kind of a, a second and third uh, in terms of what pastors thought was most effective, um, and. Be, being a, a life group leader at my own church with middle school students, uh, I, I just see that, you know, for them to build relationships with each other, having a week together at camp uh, is amazing. Uh, and so it, uh, I'm not surprised at all that, that pastors are, are, you know, underlying that and, and highlighting that. And Scott, you, you point a, a great example, which is there's a lot of contextualized ministry. There's not a one size fits all. Right. right. So, so people are doing different things. Actually, in the study, 
and again, we're encouraging you here at Optics to go see the study, to drill down deeper. We're giving you some top line stuff. It's much more extensive uh, and you can see the questions and the responses and the percentages at LifeWay Research or LifeWay Recursos. And so we recommend that. But one of the things I saw was that among smaller churches, they partner with other churches to do events together or with their denominational body so that that is also uh, oh, I have limited resources, or I, I don't, I'm not a full-time pastor. I'm a bivocational pastor, so I don't have a youth pastor or youth leader on staff, so I partner, and I was surprised to see, um, in a good way, how many actually partner with neighboring churches or denominational or regional uh, events to help supplement what they may not have. Yeah, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised how few churches said we're not able to do anything for children or we're not able to do anything for, for youth. And yet they were there. I mean, about one out of five churches say, you know, we, we haven't been able to do anything for, for youth this last year, um, about 10% uh, for, for, for kids. But the solution is, is, is what you just mentioned, you know, that, that the pastors themselves said, you know, when you're in a spot where you just have a few in your church, you know, how do we get this started? you know, partnering with another church in your area is a great way to get some activity started. You know, teenagers don't like to come to things if it's two or three of them, but, you know, but, but if it's six or seven kids together, that, that becomes something that, that starts to interest them. And so to see that churches are already doing that, that they're partnering with each other, um, at least occasionally, but some of them on a regular basis uh, to, to do activities together and then one of the events that often they're offering their, their, their students are, are local events that often are sponsored by their denomination or a group of churches in their area. And so somebody else has kind of done the work to make the event happen. You're just simply pulling your kids together and saying, let's go. And, and so it, it's a great way to get started you know, for the, for the handful of churches that don't have much going. It's a great way to get started, but for churches that have a good, a, a vibrant ministry for kids or for, for teenagers, it's a great way to get momentum to say the body of Christ is, is even bigger than our lo our local congregation. You know, we're in this together. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the extra advantage of having some great speakers and, and great, you know, great worship leaders and things like that, that are often at those events. Um, the other thing I'd underscore with, with reaching the next generation is the importance pastors placed on prayer. Uh, we we saw right. that, you know, when we asked that, we gave them a, a long list of things and kind of check all the boxes of what you think has helped your church reach youth and young adults. That's right. the, the, the number one answer was that, that they were praying specifically for youth and young adults to reach them uh, with the gospel. And, and, you know, there, there's a lot of other distractions in our society today, you know, try, seeking after their hearts and, and for us to, to go before the Lord and just ask that, 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 he, that he would have grace on them and, and that they would come to Christ is, is an important thing for churches. And I think, uh, I, I think that's an important finding from this study. Yeah, and I think we should not minimize or overlook that. I think quite a few pastors will talked about that. I think I heard Reverend Dennis Rivera from the Assemblies of God highlight that in, in a call we had uh, with some national leaders. And he said, you know, prayer is a strategy, right, that that works. And he and he and others highlighted that sometimes it's not just praying secretly, that they're praying publicly, and that those young people, teenagers, children feel loved on and cared for. And there was another thing about this kind of the role of the pastor in young people, right? Uh, access to her or him or, or, or being uh, cared for by the pastor, whoever he or she may be. And, and I didn't even think about that. But, you know, I'm a pastor and I try to uh, be focused on, I have two teenage sons, so it's, it's most uh, forward in, in my mind. But I used to be a youth pastor before I was a pastor years ago. Um, and I remember that one of the things that would encourage me was making sure that my senior pastor, when I was a youth pastor, maybe 20 years ago or so, get involved. So they feel that the whole church is 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 supporting it, that it's not a marginal ministry, that it's integrated into the life of the church. And so that prayer and that integration uh, was important. But you, I saw that, I think, in a few of the questions about the role of the pastor ensuring that the next gen feels included and, and as a priority in the church. 
And I should point out, you know, on many of these questions where we, we had lists of options of, of what your church is doing for ministry and what's effective, all of those options came from conversations with, with pastors of Hispanic churches that we did earlier in the year. And so, you know, we, we interviewed them, had some group conversations with pastors uh, through some online tools, and that's where we got those ideas. So, so to see what they were doing, you know, some one-on-one -on -one with pastors investing in, in, you know, students at their church, the youth at their church, um, but also just making sure their sermons are relevant to, to teenagers, you know, and, and just raising up the importance of, as a church, we value reaching youth. And, and making sure that's something that, that you know, the, the older members of the congregation are behind, um, you know, that, that's an important, you know, step of leadership that many of these pastors have taken. No, I think, I think you're spot on. Well, let's shift a little bit. You're on your program, Optics, with Dr. Gabe Salguero. And today we have the gracious honor of inviting and interviewing Scott McConnell from Lifeway Research about their recent national survey, national report on Hispanic American or Latino Protestant churches in America. We encourage you strongly here in Optics to visit the report at Lifeway Research, or if you want it in Spanish, Lifeway Recursos. And we're just talking. We can't do it in, in one episode of Optics. All that is there. Uh, we, we highlighted that it's a national effort that multiple national organizations, denominations, parachurch organizations were part of forming the questions did we get it all? Absolutely not. It's one, I hope, Scott, one of many future endeavors to, to drill down deeper on the, com on the uh, complexity and diversity and, and contributions of the Latino uh, Protestant Church in America. And I want to thank you for that. Let me, uh, as, as I continue to highlight the report, talk a little bit about where are we? Let's talk a little bit about urban versus suburban versus rural. But before we do that, I think this survey said that the average attendance of the Latino church in the U.S., Latino Protestant church in the U.S., is 115. I think that was the number, if my memory serves me right. I was just trying to pull up uh, some of the highlights of, of that report. But it also told us, uh, you know, and that's post-COVID, right? That's a, a snapshot today of, of the average attendance. Um, and also, and, and that's important because, you know, a lot of times in, in, in some reports, people think, oh, we're just focusing on the large church or the church with all the resources, what, what in America is called the mega church, la mega iglesia. But that's not the case. This was a broad survey, and, uh, and you can see that there. But the average attendance is 115. I, I'd love for you to talk about that. But then also, where are these churches located uh, in terms of urban, suburban, rural, and, and what that means? For, for Hispanic church planners, for Hispanic uh, networks, and so forth? So, so the current attendance in Hispanic congregations is averaging 115. And an average, you know, takes everybody's attendance, totals it up, and divides it by the number of, of, of churches that answered. If we put all those churches side by side, though, the middle church is actually at 70 in attendance. And, and so it's because some of those larger churches, you know, add to the total, um, that 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 the average, the mean actually jumps up to 115. Um, and both of those numbers are actually a little larger than we see for Protestant churches in total. And, you know, that could have been, you know, we didn't hear from a few of the smallest churches. Uh, you know, but again, our, our efforts were to invite all. Um, and so, uh, but it's possible that we did not hear from a few of the smallest. Um, and, but, but again, this is our best estimate of the size of Hispanic congregations um, so, so as you mentioned, you know, when we think of the the, the normal church, it, it's it's not a big big church. It's not going to be a church with multiple staff members, you know, that are paid. Uh, it, it's it's a church that's you know has one pastor, and oftentimes uh, they're bivocational. Many of these pastors, though, this is their full time, so they may not be paid a lot. But this is the the only place yeah, they work, and that was surprising, right? That that the number of full time pastors, not that they're you know making you know tons of money, but that they're committed as their full time employment, even in smaller churches. Yes, uh, it, again, it was it, the majority actually described that this is their job; that they don't have a second job, and so uh, I was a little surprised by that. Um, but. Uh, at, at the same time, you know, some of the pastors are a little older. So, you know, sometimes that, that, that happens, uh, you know, they're able to do that after a certain point. Um, but in terms of location, uh, you know, we, we see 
uh, that half of these churches are actually in large cities, uh, so in large metro areas. And uh, we see uh, the next largest group would be 31% that are in small cities. And so, you know, that's a, that, that's a city of 100,000 or, or less. And just 9% of the congregations are in, are in rural areas, and then the other smaller percentage are, are those in the suburbs. Um, and so, you know, a, lo a lot of this is, uh, you know, church planting that has happened where the people are, and people are where the jobs are. And so, you know, yes, there, there are jobs in rural areas, but those tend to move, move around a lot. So it can be hard to, 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 to start a conversation with workers that are, are moving. Um, but in cities, you know, the jobs are going to stay put and in both a large city as well as a smaller city, you know, those, those jobs are going to be stable. And, and so that's where we see the church planting happening, uh, most often. Yeah. And that's fascinating. If you add those two totals, it's 81% of the churches are in between a small city and a large city. So are in some kind of urban context. That's you know over eighty percent. Fifty and, and thirty one is eighty one percent, and so that that's significant. But I see some growth in suburban, and it also means ministry. How do we uh, how do we create ministry and foster ministry to people who are ambulant, to people who have to shift? That 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 you know that that's a question, right? Yeah. You you and you you do the data, but then we who do church planting and we who do you know work with networks have to ask how do we create that. Uh, ministry in an effective Christ honoring way. And so I'm, I'm thankful that, that, that your report reveals that. I mean, but 81% urban, that's like you said, that's where the people are. Many immigrants end up in urban context because the jobs are there. Uh, also there are enclaves of yes. minority groups, right? And so you're moving to where there's an enclave that speaks your language, whether you're African or Latino. And so, so there's a lot of reasons behind that, but that helpful information. Talk to me now, you said, uh, about the median age, I don't, I don't know that that was a question, but how you see the pastor? Uh, you know, are they older pastors in the Latino church? Are they younger pastors? Are they boomers? Are they Gen Xers? I mean, because I saw, I think it's over fifty percent are first generation um, um, immigrants, but you can be first generation and arrive ten years ago. I mean, that doesn't really reveal the the number. But I mean, do we have do we have a lot of uh, younger pastors um, that are rising up, or we, or is that an area of growth? Um, in total, Hispanic pastors are are younger than the typical Protestant pastor. Um, you know, when we do surveys of of Protestant pastors nationally, between twenty and twenty five percent of them are age sixty five plus. So, you know, nearing what many Americans think is a retirement age, but you know, in ministry, rare, rarely is it a retirement age. Um, when we look at Hispanic pastors, just 16% of them are in that, that, that older age group. Um, so we see that the largest number of Hispanic pastors actually in the next age group down age 50 to 64, which, you know, nationally, that's a small, you know, that's kind of Gen X, uh, that's, that's a smaller age group for Americans. Um, and so we, we see a lot of strength there. These are, you know, uh, you know, literally it's almost half of, of, Hispanic pastors. 48%. So the large, the largest group of uh, Hispanic pastors are Gen X pastors. Yes. In that study, well, I'm I'm Gen X, so I'm I, it's, it's, I'm I'm under fifty, but I'm close. I'm looking at it very closely. Uh, so the largest is Gen X, but there's still a large portion of Boomers, so to speak, uh, sixty. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and then there's also a third that are age thirty-five to forty-nine, and so when you think of those two groups, you know they've got a lot of ministry left. So it's, it's, you know, when we're describing a lot of, uh, you know, Anglo churches, a lot of kind of more longer established congregations, you know, there, there's a lot more pastors that are going to be retiring soon. And so, you know, the good news is we're not going to have that problem for a while. Um, and so there's a lot of ministry that, that, that these pastors are going to be doing in the years ahead. And so that's, that, that's super encouraging, I think. Um, you know, there's always the question of, well, what about the next generation? You know, and so, you know, we, we tend not to see a lot of pastors in the young, the typical young adult age group. There's just 4% of pastors in that 18 to 34 year old uh, group. Um, and, and obviously, you know, once you're out of high school and those next, you know, if you go on to, to, to college, um, you know, you hope to start seeing somebody step into ministry, uh, you know, by the time they, they get to their thirties. And so we, we're not seeing a lot of that among these Hispanic congregations. Um, but it doesn't mean that, that, 
that those Hispanic uh, pastors aren't going into church in, in an Anglo church or in a in an English right. setting or about you know, and so uh, you know, so this is just telling the story of these Hispanic congregations, but you know, overall it, it is it is fairly young lead, leadership uh, in terms of a lot of ministry ahead of them. Well, and this is important because you, I'm in the group from 35 to 49. And that's a significant group. But some 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 younger pastors may be in a Latino-led church or Latino multi-ethnic. But this study doesn't talk about Latinos serving in an Anglo church because, the, as I understand it, the research was targeted at least uh, over 50% of your congregation had to be Hispanic. What I found interesting is that there are Anglo pastors leading churches that are over 50%. Hispanic because they were missionaries they speak Spanish or, or I mean and so that's that's you know we're, we're we're trying to look at the totality of the picture but as you said there are young Latinos who may not even speak Spanish who may be a youth pastor or pastor in an English church uh, and that that's not this study is that right correct and you know Almost every time we turn within this study, we see the variety. And as you mentioned, you know, seven percent of the pastors of these Hispanic congregations are not people who are Hispanic themselves. Um, so most, you know, if we're going to stereotype, yes, typically a Hispanic church is led by a, a Hispanic pastor, but but that's not at all. That's not always the case. Seven percent, you said? Seven. Wow, that's that's amazing. I didn't. I I I I think I forgot that number. So that's that's a very interesting number. So now look, we're talking about the Latina Church. We've talked about church planting. We talked about discipleship. We talked about uh, uh, evangelism. I mean, how 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 are, is the Latino Church working? Right. First of all, I should say that church planting can be a strategy and is a strategy of evangelism. But evangelism uh, and community, how do they reach out to the community? What, what are they doing? What are we doing as Latino churches to engage uh, our neighborhoods, our communities, and, and evangelism? You know, when we ask about evangelism, you know, the number one thing that pastors under, underscored was, you know, they're encouraging their church members to, to be inviting people to church uh, they're encouraging them to to have conver gospel conversations uh, with people in the community. Uh, so, you know, the pastors aren't trying to do it all themselves. They understand that this, you know, th this is a shared task. Um, and, and and so if if a church is not seeing people come to Christ, it's not it's not the pastor's fault. You know, we we, <laughs> we as a congregation share that responsibility. And and so you know, yeah, those, so I'm sure a lot of pastors are, just welcome that comment. <laughs> you, know, you, I, can quote, you can quote me on that. Yeah, I will. Yeah, it's the pastor is not the only one who needs to evangelize, whoever she or he is. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yet we see these churches planning, uh, you know, things that they do together. And so some of the simplest is the church themselves is use, using social media. You know, to 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 let people know that they're you know that they exist, to let people know uh, you know the activities they're having, and so they're using social media you know because that that's where we meet people in this society today. Um, but they're also planning a special events, especially for kids. Uh, you know, things around Easter, VBS, fall festivals, those kinds of things. Fifty nine percent of Hispanic congregations do those kinds of activities to reach kids. And, and the majority do community programs where they're serving their community, whether it's food or clothing, giveaways, those kinds of things. So, you know, there's a lot of variety going on in terms of evangelism, you know, kind of closest to the heart of pastors is that, that their church members are, are inviting people, that their church members are talking about Christ with others, but the church is organizing things as well. Um, you also ask about the topic of, of just building community within the church. and. Um, you know, this is probably a stereotype of, of Hispanic congregations that that community is important and, and it is strong. And, and as a researcher, I don't have a great way to measure that to say it's it statistically is true. Um, but we thought, hey, this is a great opportunity to learn from Hispanic pastors. And so as they described what's important when it comes to building community, I, I think I think it's insightful. Um, I, the you know, praying together tops the list. More than eight out of ten pastors say praying together draws us together. In, I love in the community. that prayer is a big thing over and over, both in next generation and community building, because I think people forget sometimes that the church, in in addition to being an organization, is a spiritual organism, 
and that the Latino pastors themselves said, hey, look, prayer is a part of our community building and our discipleship and our evangelism. I, that's refreshing, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, yes, we're, we're trying to build community with each other, but it, it, that, that, that fellowship needs to include our relationship with God. And so it, it's relational, both vertically with God as well as with each other. And and, and the second three four, three fourths of pastors said studying the Bible together it is, is something that builds unity. And so both of the top top two things they mentioned, you know, said, "Hey, our relationship with each other depends on our relationship with God," and you know that that's what's going to foster it first. Um, but they also underscored, you know, um, and this may surprise some people, but welcoming those from different cultures and backgrounds. And again, you know, somebody who doesn't understand Latino culture and, and the, the, the diversity within it would say, well, who are you welcoming? You're, you know, and, and it's like, well, no, you know, if, if our congregation has a lot of people from Mexico and we have some visitors from Guatemala, we're, we're welcoming somebody with a different culture. Um, if, you know, if, if, we're mostly uh, first generation, and we're as somebody comes in who's who's fourth generation, uh, you know, their family's been in America for forever. Um, you know, th there's some cultural barriers there, and so for pastors to recognize, you know, we have to constantly be encouraging our congregation to be welcoming. Uh, if somebody has different backgrounds, somebody has different, uh, you know, different culture, we want to be welcoming in the, them in. That's an important part of building community. Um, that, that they underscored. And, and the other one that would be kind of in the top uh, top four would be to, to really choose to be united as a church. Um, you know, it's a choice uh, because once once we notice how we're different, uh, our, our beliefs about different things, uh, you know, what we enjoy doing with our free time, you know, it's easy to go, ah, they're not like me and and, and drift apart. But if we choose to, to be united, we choose to look past some of those differences, we choose to love each other anyway, that's how you build community. And, and so that, that was another thing that the pastors underscored that they're currently doing, that their church is doing today um, to, to stay united and to build community. Well, I love that you're highlighting that Latinos are heterogeneous, that we're not a monolith. And so Mexican, Cuban, Dominican, Guatemalan, Peruvian, um, Puerto Rican, uh, Salvadorian, Panamanian. I mean, we're talking over 22 countries. And yep. so when you say, oh, what do you mean they're welcoming people from different cultures? Well, I assure you, uh, it's in Hispanicity, there's great diversity. And there and there's uh, racial diversity. Uh, there's uh, uh, African uh, Latinos, right? Afro-Latinos and, and European. And, and so we have black, we have brown, we have, I have friends who are Asian and Latino from Peru, uh, because there's a large Asian community there. And so even, you know, because when people think of Hispanics, and I appreciate that the survey brings this out, or the Hispanic church, that even in a totally Latino church, there could be 18 different countries represented. Uh, and not to mention dialects that are in some like Quechua and, and other things. And so, and there's racial diversity, like Afro-Latinos and, and, and Latinos born in the US and Latinos born. And so the, the, the racial, and, and of course the generational diversity and the socioeconomic diversity, right? Um, yes. And so all of that comes to the floor as we think about doing ministry with the Latino church in America and by the Latino church in America. And I think your study has said that, listen, our time is almost up, Scott, and I want to thank you for joining Optics. I want to ask one more question before we go um, and tell everyone, please, if you haven't subscribed to Optics, this is Optics with Dr. Gabe Salguero. And today we have Scott McConnell from Lifeway Research on their national study of Hispanic Protestant churches in America. Please visit Lifeway Research or Lifeway Recursos in Spanish to see more of this study and 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 talk to your leaders talk get together in your church planning networks and sit down and, and talk about this study and see how it can inform how you serve with uh and alongside the latino church the last thing is about language scott and what languages are the latino churches the latino protestant churches worshiping in, and and how does that play out and i know there were some questions about is it in spanish is it in english is it bilingual and 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 i was really interested in how you unearthed that we tried to give congregations all the options, the different potential ways they could slice it. Uh, and the majority, 53%, say everything we do in terms of our worship services are, is in Spanish. 
Um, the next largest group, 22%, said we have bilingual worship services. And, and, and I know that that takes a lot of language skill to switch back and forth and to, to, to have everything in both. Um, and, and so it, it's amazing to me that that many churches can, can do that, you know, at kind of real time. Um, just 2% of Hispanic congregations do everything in English. And so that kind of leaves the last few percentages are doing some translation. Um, so 12% are doing some translation to English, whether it's with a headset or kind of in part of the room. Uh, somebody's translating for, for a few people who need things in English. Just 1% are have an English service with some Spanish translation. Um, and I guess the last option is 10% who, who just do separate services. So they're a Hispanic congregation. Let's have a, a Spanish service and an English service that are separate. Um, and so, again, a lot of variety there, just trying to navigate a, a couple of languages, but um, but it's also kind of beautiful that that there can be that variety and uh, and yet, uh, you know, the goal of, of reaching people. And yeah, well, uh, that's the vision, right? Revelation 7, 9 from every tribe, nation and tongue to worship before the Lamb. And what's interesting is if 22 percent are bilingual and 10 percent are doing English, it's 32 percent that are in some way serving an English uh, constituency. And think about there are churches that are led by Latinos that are not 50% Latino, right? right? So their service would be totally in English, right? Yes. If, if it's, if it's in, so the, what we're saying is because two thirds of, of Latinos are born in the US, uh, majority of them speak English uh, to varying degrees, right? In, in varying degrees of, of expertise, of linguistic expertise. But you're talking about 22% bilingual, 10% English, plus the, the, the smaller percentage of people who have maybe some audio translation into that language so it's almost a third that are serving some english constituency even though i think this is important the majority of latino churches that are over 50 percent latino are spanish only or spanish dominant and so what we're saying is i think scott as i read it you're right you're giving the report i'm just trying to see as i read it or as our coalition might read it is that there's a growing edge of latinos serving english-speaking uh, either English-speaking Latinos or biracial couples or bilingual couples and or bilingual families or bicultural families, which is kind of the reality, increasing reality uh, in the U.S. And so I'm glad to see that there's growth there. It's still not the majority, but there's been some growth uh, in the last decade or so, especially since how, what percentage were planted or after 2000? What percentage of Latinos? Uh, 54%. The majority. That's right. That's majority. a slim majority, but were planted after 2000. So they're yep. under 23 years of age. They're 23. I mean, we're in January when we're doing this yep. live, right? So they're 23 years or younger uh, of existence. And so these are young churches. Will you join me in thanking uh, Scott McConnell of Lifeway Research? Scott, are there any other things you want to say to our Optics uh, audience? And, and thank you for joining Optics uh, today. Thank you so much, uh we covered a lot of ground today, so I, I don't think there's anything else I would highlight in spe specifically, but just encourage folks to take the time to, to have some conversations around some of these topics and, and maybe not try to tackle them all at once, but but to, to, to talk about evangelism, look at some of those stats or to talk about some of the discipleship efforts churches are doing and, and examine uh, some of what your congregation might be doing in, in those regards, um, because I think we can learn from from. A, from these congregations and the story they have to tell. Well, thank you for joining Optics. Thank Lifeway for this research. I hope one of many in the future. May God bless Lifeway. May God bless you, Scott, and all our audience. Thank you for joining Optics with Dr. Gabe Salguero. Lindo día.